Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hey guys, today on the podcast, we've got Peter Badger with us. He's an avid real estate investor and educator. With his partner, Karen, they invest mainly in U.S. multifamily and overseas agriculture. He's been investing uh, in real estate investing and education, and it's their full-time uh, endeavor. So, uh, you know, they spend a lot of time on this. And it also quenches their thirst for service, global travel, and adventure. It's not just about the money here. It's about some lifestyle component as well. So, Peter, welcome. How are you? Thanks, Devin. Great. Lovely day today. How are you? Uh, very, very well. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for, for jumping on here. I'm curious to, to learn about some of the agricultural stuff because that's outside of the box of what I work on. I'm always interested to learn uh, different, uh, different approaches for people, especially overseas. All my stuff's domestic and I, all my stuff's basically in my, in my backyard. But uh, so I want to dig in on that. But I want to uh, understand for folks that that have not met you or uh, yet, how did you come to real estate and what, what was that journey like? Yeah, so I think my journey was quite unique because I spent 18 years on Wall Street. And so I was kind of in the thick of the, you know, all the markets. Um, you know, I went through the cycles of the dot-com boom and bust. You know, 2008, I actually got out just before and went to Silicon Valley and started my own tech company. Excellent. So my, my real estate journey actually started once my company was acquired uh, by Citrix Systems in, in California. Never heard of him. Exactly. And, and so, you know, it was, a, it was a good time in my life, obviously. It was, a, it was a, let's call it in Silicon Valley parlance, it was a, a single, not a home run. You know, it wasn't completely life-changing, but it was um, a good amount of money to work out what to do with. And as you're probably aware, Devin, when you sell your company in Silicon Valley, Everybody is on you like vultures I bet. trying to advise you and help you invest your money. You get a big target, um, right? No, it is. It's true. And so even though yeah. a lot of the transactions are not talked about in terms of monetary value, and even though, you know, 95% of the assets, you know, the income is taken from uh, the VCs, <laughs> right. even the founders and the employees with a very small portion, they still think you are, you know, live bait. So what I actually did was I canvassed all of my Silicon Valley friends you know, multi-exit CEOs. And I said, listen, what do you do to, to keep your money from right. your first exit? And, you know, resoundingly over six months, some really good people. And they said, listen, people make wealth through building their own business or through stock options with a public company or, you know, going private to public. Um, but they retain and grow that wealth through real estate. And that was a resounding message. And so the real, the real question then becomes, okay, well, well which real estate? Because there's so many asset classes. Sure. And this is where my crazy journey went, which was basically, um, you know, I bought 21 single family homes in like 18 months uh, because I was, you know, the first person I met in my network was buying single family homes and renting them out. And they were like, well, I can't do it in California where I live. So where do you do it? Where you do it in Texas, Florida, Pennsylvania, because, you know, for anybody watching from New York City or California, you, know, you can buy a three-bed, two-bath, two-car garage home in, you know, Jacksonville, Florida for 90K. I mean, it's one of those, right. the math thing. Whereas, as we know, in the, in the more, um, you know, coastal markets, it isn't that way. Certainly. So, so I found 
single family homes. My network was full of single family home buyers and I kept buying them. And it was a massive mistake <laughs> because I was exhausted after 18 months of buying them and tracking them. I mean, it's a, it's a first world problem. I'll admit, you know, you know, boohoo and the track all the income coming in. Um, so, you know, the good news is I gained financial freedom from those 24 single family homes. Uh, myself and my partner, Karen had a, a, a separate portfolio each actually. And then we met some guy at this real estate meetup. So one of the keys is to go to real estate meetups all the time. Just, just, you know, post pandemic, when they come back into fashion, just pitch up and meet people and network and, and ask people, you know, what they should be doing. And basically I walked into this meeting thinking I was the king of real estate. Right. Yeah, 20 house, 24 40. houses. Exactly. You know, you have to give you like a 30 second speech at the start of a meetup and like, you right. know, like, yeah, I'm king of the hill. You know, Mr. Single family. And uh, this guy came up to me at lunchtime and uh, I'll never forget. He basically said, well, um, you know, good to meet you, but you're an idiot. That was his first words to me. And of course, what he did was he extolled the virtues of multifamily and the fact that I was, you know, I was not scaling, not able to scale. I was already feeling the pain of trying to track, you know, 13 mortgages and, you know, 30 tax bills. You know, I had houses in Houston, Texas, and you've got like a, you know, school tax bill. You've got a, a, a you know, the regular county stack where you have four tax bills per house, HOA, just a, you know, pain. Anyway, so... He obviously pointed out if I'd have bought, you know, two or three single family homes to understand the model, to emotionally connect to it and get how it works and then step up to multifamily, it would have been a better strategy. And he was right. So yeah. I started selling single family homes, um, <laughs> got my portfolio down to five. We bought a couple of um, multifamily buildings in Tampa, Florida. We had to move there to do it full time because it's a lot of hard work. Sure. You know, put bids on 60 buildings, one, two in nine months. That's the kind of hard work it takes, uh, especially in a growing hot market. And then, you know, some other person I met said, oh, oh, why are you doing multifamily? It's like, you should be doing mobile home parks because you haven't got, you know, roofs to maintain. Even though you've got less roofs now than your 24 homes, you've got a sure. couple of buildings, you've still got tenants, the three T's, you know, tenants, trash and toilets to deal with. Buy a mobile home park, it's a pad of concrete with utility connections. Yeah, you, know, you can get returns instead of 8% return for a single family home. Um, you know, let's call it value add 12 to 16. You can get a 16% easy in mobile home parks. So I went to Illinois, mobile home park, and then I met somebody else. They're like, why are you dealing with mobile home parks? Find <laughs> agriculture, because right. agriculture is the easiest thing in the world because you plant a tree, you wait four or five years, full harvest, and it's annuity income stream for 40 to 60 years. So you can only imagine, you know, which asset class went on this crazy journey, you know, picked up, you know, portion of a boutique hotel, a couple of, you know, beach rentals. And I, I all of a sudden there's like, you know, broad portfolio, but, I, but I think, um, you know, every, everybody's journey is different. And if I only knew now, <laughs> obviously when I started seven years ago, I would have bought two things. Number one is multifamily value add in strong markets and then the second one is agriculture overseas because the returns are there um, and if you choose the right you know let's call it farm operator then you can uh, make great turns in good markets so fantastic well that's that's a lot of trial and error a lot of experience yeah. a lot of putting your own capital to work so you know i think that's 
that that's bears underscoring that point that that you've done a lot of things you've placed a lot of capital you've moved around the country and and executed a lot of different things and that's your takeaway is multifamily and agriculture we talk a lot about multifamily on the show maybe maybe you know um ad nauseum but uh you know we like it for cash flow appreciation you know we've seen in in 2020 with covid yeah you know you talk about uh essential services well boy you know the roof over your head is essential. And so we, we've seen occupancy and collections be very strong this year, all things considered. But I would love to get your take on, on agriculture. I've seen some stuff with, with uh, you know, growing coffee in Costa Rica and, and things like yeah. that. But walk the newbie through that, the overview of that business model. And in, in that case, you know, that, that newbie's me, right? I don't know how that model works, but I'm real curious on, on um, how you guys approach it and why you like it. Yeah, so I think when you think about when you value U.S. real estate, it's a known equation. So I'm right. a Wall Street background. I'm tech. I'm data driven. My partner Karen is Price Waterhouse Coopers. You know, process. So we told people that we bought eventually our you know process and data driven analytics to real estate. Right. And so buy a single family home, it has to meet these parameters. Buy a multifamily building, it meets these parameters. Everybody can back into the NOI. You know, work out the cap rate. You name it. Um, and the, and the key, before I go into the ag piece, is to evolve in the multifamily piece and be more data-driven. So I spent my first buildings trusting brokers, you know, right. trusting a simple model I downloaded from somebody I knew who had invested a couple of times. Right. Um, you've got to get out of trust and get to trust but verify quickly. And so in the multifamily space, don't just look at the asset itself. Start with the macro and micro market. So look at them, you know, in the macro fashion, you know, look at the um, state or city you're investing in. Is the population growth, is the median income growth going up X percent per year over the past 10 years? Uh, what are the median home condo values? You know, what are the crime rates? Are they going down? Right. You know, job growth is especially important. And so the key is to look at the data at the macro location and then do the same thing at the micro zip code. And once you've got that, and you know that it's all positive in the case of the growth or negative in the case of crime rates, then you can look at the asset itself and go block by block and work out whether it's a place to buy. So it's so data-driven. Um, you can, once you understand this process, once you understand where to get the data, you can basically, you know, essentially print money in, an, in a, let's call, low-risk way. So then you look at ag, you're like, hold on a minute, all of a sudden have gone overseas, especially we're in Central South America, mostly. Okay. Uh, chose those locations, you know, openly and honestly, because the land is cheap still. Sure. The land has not been ruined by big ag, <laughs> chemicals, you know, you, you know, the game is very little organic in developed markets at this point. Right. Um, and more importantly, the labor is cheap as well. So in Central and South America right now, you actually have incredible farms, incredible far multifamily, uh, sorry, multi-generational farm families, but they have no access to Western markets. Right. So what we specialize in is going down Central South America, um, finding those families that are struggling, frankly, we inject capital in a syndication format. They farm we help them manage it. And more importantly, we take the produce, bring it through containers up the, you know, Panama Canal predominantly, 
um, into the US, Europe, and sell to premium wholesale and retail markets. And, and so, you know, why do we do that? Because I, I tell people now, so, so, so you know, Devin, I, I think we could spend an hour talking about real estate disasters, couldn't we? Sure. You oh, know? yeah. We More than an hour. About- Exactly. So we can talk about my single family home where, you know, a drug dealer moved in and the neighbors threw a Molotov cocktail through the window to basically get him out. You know, I was stuck with him, Bill. The insurance didn't cover all of it. You know, we can talk about all these, you know, I bought the condo in Disney because there's 75 million people coming to that Orlando area, 19 theme parks, and then COVID hit, you know, went from 1500 bucks a month cash profit or income to, you know, paying for it about 15 yep. months. Um, yep, the other way, sure. So the reason I mention this is because um, as I went from multifamily into agriculture, I realized something very quickly. Even though the strategy was fantastic in terms of, you know, cheap land, good labor, multifamily, you know, multi-generational farming families who knew how to farm and produce great produce, I realized I was investing in private businesses. Right. You know? With a building, it's an asset, you can value it. Um, with farm, you know, you gotta, you're in a foreign country, mostly speaking Spanish, you know, Portuguese, you know, you're, you're trying to work with locals. Okay, what is the land value really? And, and really you kind of end up having to build, let's call it, we've got a, our own risk matrix. And so we have 10 categories and there's like three sections at the top about the crop. And so, you know, what crop is it? Let's take citrus fruits. Well, you know, you think about citrus fruits, like what is the market for citrus fruits? Is it, you know, limes, lemons, oranges, you know, what's the diseases about around those, those crops? What's the, excuse me, my dogs are <laughs> missing some attention there, huh? Yeah, I was going to ask about that. So you've got, you got citrus is, is and, and I guess you can go through it, but the is coffee in the matrix. What else? can grow in the southern hemisphere and then you know is yeah incredibly diverse product um mango avocado i mean mean, the the key i think actually is high you know premium fruits and vegetables and so we actually sell in the wholesale markets for instance in paris at the runges market which supplies all the fresh fruit vegetables for you know especially the paris metro high end um, and then also most of Europe, a lot of the transport goes from there as a distribution center. So, yeah, I mean, so in terms of crops, you know, you've got to think about the growth and the yield cycles. Right. There's row crops. You know, you can plant a pineapple today, harvest it a year from now, and you can sell it. But actually coconuts, it takes four years to get the tree to have the first harvest. Wow. And six years for the full harvest. And so we have these things whereby we have some patient capital in permanent crops, we have some um, other capital, less patient capital in row crops. Right. And we've got to think about the growth and yield cycles, the crop diseases, you know, longevity of transport and storage. You know, coconuts incredibly versatile, but you're putting limes in a container, put it at a certain you know refrigerated um, you know degrees, and you can get it for six to eight weeks to get it from the farm through the Panama Canal to the port, offloaded onto trucks, palletized to the Rangers market, to the wholesale store, to be bought, then consumed. So you've got to think about all these aspects of that um, from a distribution standpoint. 
Right. It's kind of mind-boggling that an avocado is economically viable to be grown in Central America, South America, and consumed in Boise, Idaho. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and, and the supply chain works like there, there's enough margin in there to, to sustain that. It's kind of mind boggling on such a perishable item, but there you have it. Yeah, no. And honestly, there's such a demand for, you know, avocados, as you know, I mean, you look at the, the curve of the price over the past 20 years, it's insane. Right. And of course, what's going to happen in, in these things is that in a broad basis, because it's just like when you talk about real estate, real estate is local, local, local. Yeah. And you can't talk about, oh, the real estate market's going up by 5% in the US right now. It's just rubbish because there's 400 metropolitan statistical areas. And within those MSAs, there are millions of buildings. Oh, yeah, down to the very building. Right. It's very yeah. so And so in the, in the same way, you can't kind of like um, look at the macro level of fruit and vegetable. You have to find a place to play in that market because you're not going to compete with the you know chiquitas in the banana realm. Sure. You know? They're, they're at scale like the hedge funds are in you know, multifamily and single family now that we can't compete with. Uh, but what you can compete with is you can go into the Rungers market, build some very good distributor relationships mm-hmm. for a small amount of high premium fruit and vegetables, high quality. You know? And so, so that's where we, where we play really. But it is when you play in that, let's call it more niche area. So our pineapples, for instance, um, they're high, you know, uh, fructose, they're high, you know, they're really sweet and juicy and ripe. We get them to market in Paris to consume within two days. Well, the big players, they're green fruit. They're trying to ripen them on the boat or when they get to the other side. Right. You got to time it. Yeah. Yeah. And they're stringent, you know? And so I know when I walk in the supermarket right now, where those pineapples were picked green, put on a boat in storage for two weeks and they're stringent. When you look at these like, you know, out of the ground into the consumer's mouth via air freight in five days, you can tell the difference massively. So right. choose the right play, you know. That, that's fascinating. There's so many variables there. What does it look like kind of bringing it back to, let's say, you know, you've got the Global Investor Alliance, right? You get a small group yep. of, of close-knit investors that you've kind of built up over time and that you invest alongside with. What is a what you know in multifamily? We say a five year hold, we want seven percent cash flow and a 15 IRR, whatever you know, there's kind of the standard thing, and there's some variance there, but that's kind of the deal. What is a profile target on on an agricultural deal, just ballpark? You know, what does that even look like? Well, so we've started um, designing deal structures Mm -hmm. because we realized actually, so we've got a small group of 65 people we invest together. we actually invest individually, but as a group, we analyze and, and look at these deals. Sure. So, because we kind of like help each other analyze what in effect an ag is private companies. And so I realized that the, one of the big farmland models is you can buy a hectare of producing land. So you buy the hectare, you'll probably earn, depending on where it is, between 7, 11, 15% a year, you know, for hopefully 40, 60 years. Um, you title right. your name. You trust in the farm management team, obviously, to be able to produce that crop year after year and to distribute and sell into the open market. Uh, and that's all good and you know well, but actually, let's think about that. When do I get to sell it? There isn't really a market, you know, place like this. You know, there's no exchange for titled farmland. Right. Um, 
And so we realized that we were tying up a lot of our wealth in title farmland initially. Then there's the other, which is a syndication, just like multifamily, <laughs> where you'll club together, you'll raise $5 million, you'll inject capital into an existing farm, take, okay. you know, 51 ownership to us, 49 to them. And, you know, you actually double their income. They're all happy because they've got, you know, um, good deep pockets and you're exporting that fruit internationally and everybody wins and you can gain between 12 to 19%, you know, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's like that traditional model. And then we have something in the middle whereby we started designing these pack house deals because we realized going to this thing that you, you might get your money out to your point in five, seven, 10 years in the farmland space, if you do a syndication, but you can't guarantee it. And there's no real path for exit. Sure. Know? Right. Your title farm, then you got that title in your name for 30, 40 years. But actually, where is this thing that I'm in early 50s now? I can probably invest in my IRA, my self-directed IRA, and I want my money out when I'm 10 years from now. So where is that vehicle in ag? And that's where we design this thing where actually we're now, we're building pack houses. So we're going to regions with strong fruit and vegetables. Um, we're building a pack house near a port with lots of fruit and vegetable supply. We're saying, hey, here's a new lime pack house. Farmers in the region, if you deliver to our door, high quality fruit, you know, we'll charge you, you know, 90 cents a kilo, for instance, in the lime space. And yeah, what they do is all the farmers compete. We get the best fruit, we process it, put it on pallets, ship it, sell it. And there's a margin we made. It's a, it's a, it's a business. And so that's a 10 year instrument because, you know, the payback is you build the building, you get the first fruit in, it's nine months to income uh, when the first fruit comes in and starts to get sold. And we have a 10 year um, hold and it's between 15 and 20% return for 10 years. Yeah, and that's a great instrument for someone trying to, you know, pad their IRA for the next uh, 10 years before they retire, maybe need that, need those funds. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in, in real estate and multifamily, we spend a lot of time on kind of management and oversight and, and maybe even due diligence of an area or market, et cetera. How does that work when you're talking about different country, right? Is it, what's the due diligence and then the ongoing oversight look like after the fact? Uh, I got to imagine there's some nuances there that, that you had to learn. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, I can go on for hours about ag. It would take 10 hours to work out the experience because as you know, it's experience. You've got to do it. You got sure. to go in, you know, get over the fear, do your first deal and you, you might get burnt. There's a high chance. Sure. <laughs> but you learn from it, you know, pick yourself up off the floor and do it again and you get better and better and better. And so, you know, the, the, when you think about the product we've talked about briefly, well, let's talk about the investment itself, you know, the country and the region, you know, political, you know, don't invest in Venezuela, but Colombia, Panama, extremely stable democracies, you know, um, economically strong, you know, currency has to be decent, um, right. climate, environmental, weather, water, soils. Why are we down in central South America? Because we missed the hurricane belt. If you look at the hurricane map, it always comes through, you know, Puerto Rico, the Caribbean, up the coast and hits Texas or it hits Florida. Yep. It, the whole tip of South America buttresses Panama and all the South American countries like countries like Colombia. And so you don't have those issues. Um, great weather uh, for rainfall, um, strong soils. It's not been destroyed by big ag. We talked about briefly. And then you kind of go into the deal itself around, okay, what's the investment structure? What's the jurisdiction? Well, most of these overseas ag deals, 
are Cayman Island entities. Right. For obvious reasons, because they're tax efficient for international investors. Sure. Why this works. And then, you know, ownership structure. You just go through the regular things you would look at any other, um, other traditional company investments in some ways. But then really the key, as always in any investment, is you're not investing in assets, you're investing in a team. That's right. So you've got to find the right team who have the track record, who know how to do this, who are culturally American from an investment standpoint, so they know what investment expectations you have as an investor. But more importantly, are Colombian, Panamanian, you know, speak the language, culturally understand how to do business down there and not get ripped off. And so we look for those, you know, teams that have got American education, but born in Colombia type thing. And so you, you, can, you can find those people, they're few and far between. When you find them, they're the ones to invest with. Um, and, and therefore, they have to show the track record, just like multifamily, same characteristics. You know, what's the proof of your projects? Where's your distribution sales pipeline? What's your branding for getting fruit to Europe and the US? Sure. You know, do you have contracts with Walmart and Whole Foods through distributors, those kind of things? Um, and, and, and then you need to go and visit them yearly because one of the biggest mistakes people leave is they set and forget these investments. Right. And you just become a number on a spreadsheet to those people. Sure. So we love travel. So we go twice a year. Central South America, we go and tour investments, see our friends. You know, we bring our other investors, friends along with us, you know. I we love it. The providers, we, you know, we're friends with them now. You know, we're shaking their hands, looking them in the eye. And you're meeting the farmer, you know, Melanio. And you're meeting the team. You're seeing what's happening there. You can basically pitch up and just walk onto your farmland and see what the hell's going on. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You learn a lot, you know. So Yeah. And what a great excuse to travel and uh, obviously a business expense there a couple times a year. So yeah. kind of checks a lot of boxes for you guys. That's, that's excellent. Yeah. We, we, we hold our corporate board meeting in Medellin every year. Christmas. Okay. So it yeah. makes sense. Makes sense. That goes in the minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, no. And so, so I think, you know, for those of you who are maybe have trepidation about looking outside the country, I mean, you know, that's really why also I invite, I, design the alliance right is because i've lost a lot of money learning what i've learned and if we can actually get people up that you know education and experience curve quicker um so we travel full-time a lot of time pre-pandemic sadly of course it's stilted us a bit um actually we're back in colombia next month so we're we're back on the, on the road uh, but we research investments for ourselves and then when we're happy with it we then actually offer it to our Alliance members to look at it. So we get a second set of eyes from 10, 15 people. And yeah, and that's our goal really is to kind of like have all of us investing in multifamily and ag and building wealth for ourselves, um, helping, you know, the local farm families that we're investing in and helping them grow their income locally, giving them healthcare and workers comp and stuff they aren't used to. Um, and yeah, and everybody wins. So yeah, that's such a that's a such a huge important mantra of a lot of a lot of successful investors is that everybody wins, right? Everybody in the transaction wins, and when you do that, um, you're gonna do you're gonna go do that and repeat that as many times as you as you can, and everybody's kind of on board. And then I think there's huge value in what you guys do in putting your money where your mouth is. I mean, you're you're really kind of doing this work for yourself, investing your own funds, and then. That's, you know, you've done, you've laid the groundwork. 
a lot of times, you know, especially for that, that class of folks, high W2, very low, kind of time starved, right? To do any kind of research, especially international, you know, your doctor, dentist, busy W2 guy or gal is not going to be doing that. But um, there's a huge value. You know, you do all the research, you probably write up something really nice that has weight. And then when you say, well, well, I'm putting a hundred thousand dollars of my own money in it. And you've got people in your circle that go, okay, well, that's, that's equally as important as any of the kind of research you've done. You're actually funding the thing. And um, that's great. I think it's a great service for, for people to get into alternative asset classes. There's no doubt. Yeah. And we do two things actually. One is we actually, to your point, put our own money in, put our money behind our mouth. Uh, but more importantly, we video it when we go down there. Right. So just time to a friend who was like doing a bunch of, uh, you know, Instagram influencer videos, you know, he's a great, you know, uh, guy, Ollie. And uh, we take him down with us. So he gets to travel. We, you know, we film the lion farm, we film the pack house, we film the port, you know, we go to Paris and show the end result where it is in stores. Uh, and in some ways that, to your point, allows people who have um, W2 jobs or building their own business, you know, they're, you know, cash rich, time poor. Right. Uh, we actually bring those investments to them in their living room so they can see the team and meet the team alongside us. Um, yeah, and your, your videographer does fantastic work. I mean, the, the presentation on that stuff uh, really comes to life. And, you know, I think you and I were kind of exchanging some communications that these tools are here. They're relatively low cost, obviously you need the talent, you know, uh, to, to do it, but um, relatively underutilized, right? And, and the, the kind of high production value content that you guys are able to give the investors is a, that's, that's a really nice, uh, a really nice touch for investors that are in those projects. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And we, and we love it. I mean, I, I realized like I was not the vacation guy who could travel and sit on the beach for eight hours. I'm not sure. a, but actually I can go to, you know, Medellin, Monteria, Apartado, pass by Panama. We can have good food, good friends and invest at the same time and take some videos. I mean, how hard is that? You know? Yeah. To have a purpose, you know, one of the things I struggle with on vacation after about day two is I don't have any purpose, right? I like, I like some downtime and concentrated doses, but not for too long. So uh, is there an aspect of that for you that, yeah, it's fun and we're on vacation and this and that, but there, there is a, there's, you've got a, you got a reason to be there too. They're very concrete reason, right? Yeah. I'm an A-type personality. My traditional vacation when I was younger was I'd go on vacation on day two, I'd get sick because I relaxed. And then, <laughs> right. <laughs> and to your point. So yeah, it, 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 it makes travel enjoyable. Um, you know, life is all about relationships. And man, we have some incredible relationships for this journey. Yeah, so, uh, yeah that, that's, that's fantastic. It, and it gives back all the time. When right. we started this alliance to basically help some friends and family, to help them become you know, a bit more financially stable, and actually, we've become better investors because they're all helping us look at these deals with different set of eyes, you know, and, and removing our blind spots. Right, right. So I think the more you put in, the more you get out. And actually, I think we're getting more out of this now personally as a couple through all our network and people we've met and, uh, and this alliance than actually we ever imagined. So we're grateful for that. Yeah, that's a great comment about your network. I mean, it, it, uh, people pay lip service to that all the time. But when you start investing in these bigger projects, kind of by necessity, you've got to, got to grow this network, which is great for capital formation, investments, things like that. But you're also really uh, putting yourself in a network of really high caliber people when you're, when you're doing that. Um, 
for obviously the investing thing, but just for life in general, um, you're growing a, a high quality network. There's so many benefits to that outside of, uh, you know, a preferred return or whatever the case is. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah it's a passion. It's a purpose. Um, it's worked out well. And uh, we're, we're grateful for the opportunity to invest in, you know, multifamily in the U.S. and, you know, travel abroad for the agriculture. So. Yeah, at standing balance. I love it. Well, Peter, this has been great. If somebody want, listening wants to connect with you, uh, how can they go about doing that? Yeah, so obviously you can find me, uh, Global Investor Alliance. But more importantly, if you're interested in ag, uh, go to the following website, which is go.bythefarm.net. Go.bythefarm.net. Um, and so we are looking for ag deals constantly. That's the site where we put all of our deals that are currently open. And yeah, our goal is, you know, to educate people and, and look at it and for people to say, yeah, this interests me. I like the risk profile. Uh, this makes sense for my portfolio, for my asset allocation. Um, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to like, I've got these investments in the stock market. I've got some real estate, you know, now let's do some long-term ag overseas, diversified currency, diversified currency. More importantly, build an annuity stream for 40 to 60 years that I can pass to my kids or relatives. So uh, yeah, go.bythefarm.net. We'd uh, love to chat to you. Outstanding. We'll link to that in the show notes there and people can listening can just click through, but uh, Peter, thank you. Really appreciate the, the candor here and wish you continued success. Thanks, Devin. Appreciate All it. Right. Yeah. Take Thanks care. So Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the DJE Podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.